Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Today is Monday, August the 23rd. Jordan and I are back in your life. Jordan, you have a good weekend? It is August the 23rd. We're we're like a little over two weeks before official kickoff time. My goodness. But yeah, I had an excellent weekend. Where? Uh, I actually worked at Kudzu yesterday for a little while. I saw that. Trying to get the... I had rain coming like today and tomorrow a little bit, so I was trying to get a little bush hogging done mm-hmm. before... That hit. This is that time of year, you know. Just yeah. kind of get it when you can. Yeah, get it in where you can fit it in, mm-hmm. kind of sort of thing. Um, things to cover before we get into the heart of today's podcast episode. First things first. If you like and would like to support this podcast, please take thirty seconds, literally thirty seconds out of your day, go to iTunes and give the Speak the Language podcast by Primos Hunting a rating and write us a review. Um, I don't care what you write. You can write whatever you want. Yeah. Five-star rating would be nice, but literally takes like 30 seconds, maybe a minute of your time. Um, go follow us on Spotify, and then we're also available on all the other platforms. But yeah, share it around if you like it. helps more people find us. Um, Primo's YouTube channel. Getting a lot of action on that, probably because of what is being uploaded there on a weekly basis. Y'all have heard us talk about it, but... Um, as you, I mean, the, the, the shows being uploaded is not anything new. We've been doing that. The thing that's new is the Primo's Originals. People are liking those a lot. But every week we are uploading new episodes and Primo's Classics, which is, if you haven't heard us talk about that before, that is stuff from the old days, like VHS old days. Yay. So be but sure to check those out. If you're liking Eyes Age, it's your childhood memories. Exactly what it is. If it was, if you're 10 years older than us, it was probably what helped you become a better hunter. Yeah. Like we're trying to do, except we're not very good hunters. No, just trying to be. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, just trying to be. We're letting y'all know through our screw ups <laughs> what not to do. Yeah. We are honest on this show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Primo's YouTube channel, um, we plan on doing a lot, a lot more things with that in the future. Um, but it, it's pretty exciting right now, you know, with, uh, again, new episodes and classics and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's no denying how popular YouTube itself is these days. And I think it's the number one streaming platform in the world. I do not doubt it. Pretty sure it is. And last time I looked, it was the second in the world, like, search platform under Google. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. These days, if you need to, like, know how to do anything, you you YouTube it. You can find that sucker on YouTube Mm -hmm. more than likely. Yeah, a video on how to. I mean, you can can find whatever you can think about. Jesse loves, like, the pimple popping videos. guess some people are into that like dude this like you sit down and start watching them videos like they're addicting i don't know it's kind of gross but at the same time you can't quit looking i feel like i would have no problem looking away from that <laughs> but yeah, whatever whatever y'all are into that's y'all's business this <laughs> is one of those things it's like you know i feel, i remember when you two first like got going and I was like middle school, high school age. Yeah. And we'd always Google like fights. Like oh, street yeah, fights. street fights. There used to be like this little logo, if I remember right, like it was. It looked like an old TV with static on it. Yeah. And it said YouTube across it. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw YouTube, I never heard of it. Like my one of my brother's friends, 
was trying to show Brett some kind of new, my brother Brett, a new song that he had just heard. And he could find the music video for it on YouTube. And I remember being like, what in the world is YouTube? Yeah. But Come, yeah. Came a long way. Yeah. I mean, that I had to have been in like sixth or seventh grade mm-hmm. when that happened. It's it's amazing. I mean, in general, thinking about like where technology has came in our lifetime. Sheesh. Like it is absolutely stupid. Like you think about like when electricity was made and all the revolutionary deals that happened then, like a hundred something yeah. years ago, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Well, you sit back and look at what's happened in our lifetime. You're like, holy smokes. The the it started snowballing. It seems like yeah. it just started keeping up more more and more momentum. There's so many different avenues to get content, and if you anything you can think about in the world you want to learn, it's on the old Google box. I just always th- I think about like years from now when we're out, when, like when me and you get older. And we're talking to like kids. We can we're going to be able to say to them, "Yeah, I remember when the iPhone came out." They're yeah. going to be like, "Man, you're old." Yeah. <laughs> remember the Blackberries? I do. Dude, Blackberry. Uh, with they they had that little ball in the center center of the keypad. Better That's than how you, like scrolled the mouse around on the screen. Better than that. Did you have a razor? Of course, I had a razor. Oh man, I had a maroon one. I had a razor and I had a sliver. You remember that? I didn't have a sliver. I had a maroon razor. It's a yeah. chrome edition. And the I was high cotton. <laughs> Did y'all the razors and all those phones back then? You could Bluetooth ringtones to one another. Yeah, yeah. So that was a thing back then. If you didn't have like a cool ringtone, yeah, you could get like a country song or something. Yeah, like yeah. nowadays. I'm not judging anybody, but you know, you'll know. What I mean, nowadays, if someone's phone rings and it starts playing like an actual song, you're like. Thirty twelve. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know. I, remember I, I, I love having my Nickelback ringtone. <laughs> I did not have any Nickelback ringtones. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why one would do that to themselves. Goodness gracious! I put up a uh, an Instagram story yesterday. And, like, uh, every now and then I'll do something and it'll get way more reaction than I expected it to. And I knew there was other, like, I know we're going down a music rabbit hole, but I know there's plenty of Turnpike Troubadour fans out there. But I just put up a story about, like, a meme about wanting Turnpike Troubadours to come back. Mm -hmm. And people exploded over that. They didn't know who they were. No, they know who they were. Back. They just wanted them to come back. Yeah. yeah, they're not making music anymore. It's a sad deal. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Good. Good band. But, but it was like people blew that one up. They're like, yes, this is what the world needs right now. Which agree, but I just didn't expect that big a reaction out of it. Mm-hmm. So this is a, I will, I will proudly say that I won't listen to Nickelback, but I also proudly will say that I listen to Turnpike Troubadours a lot, and I wish they'd come back. Evan, if you're listening. Which he's probably not, but come back. Make music. Man, I listened to Nickelback a lot when I was in high school. I'm sure you did. Doesn't surprise Act me at like all. like you didn't. I didn't. You know you heard. The only time I listened to Nickelback is when I was in somebody's car and they were listening to it, or if they played it at the football game on Friday. Or what was that other uh, band, too, that was really popular when we were in high school? Uh, that whole genre of music was popular in that higher. time. Creed. Yeah. Yeah. You know you're listening to some tree. <laughs> yeah. 
These young pups listening to this probably have no clue what we're talking about. We're making ourselves sound really old right now, <laughs> which is fine. I man, I talked to somebody. What was I doing the other day? But I, I was, I don't know. I was talking to someone, and I'm, I'm talking to like this dude, like he's my peer. Like I'm, at, you know, I'm thinking like we're the same age. And then as we get, I mean, he was talking about hunting stuff. And then as the conversation goes on, he says something. I realize I'm like a decade older than this kid. Yeah. And I was like, man, I am getting old. Yeah. When uh, when I first started working for Primos, when we'd go on these trips, like I'm like we'd go to Colorado or something, and whoever we were hunting with, someone in camp would be like, oh, where'd you go to college? You know, how long you been out of school? What'd you major in? No one asks me those college questions anymore. Yeah. They don't associate me with <laughs> being a college student. Dude, it, it hit me. <laughs> like, I've been doing this outdoor stuff for 10 years this fall. Really? That's crazy. That is crazy. I've been doing it since 20... You've been 12? on... 12? Nine years? Yeah. Nine and a half years? 2012, so 2022 would be 10. Yeah. Um... Yeah, time has a way of getting away from you. Ain't no doubt. Um, okay, we went down a rabbit hole there. Embarrassment stories of the week. We've got a little bit of a combo deal here. So do you remember a um, couple weeks ago we had a story sent in by a guy named Blake Pullen, and he was you'll, – you'll recognize the story when I start. He worked in HVAC. He was trying to take a Friday off and go fishing. The wasp nest guy. Wasp nest. So um, – that's his new name. The Wasp Nest Man. Uh, so he emailed me back, or he sent back in a follow-up uh, last week sometime. And he said, wanted to throw in an update on my luck of that week. So this is the, okay, again, I'm going to give everyone other than you, Jordan, maybe if you don't know the specifics of this guy's story. But old Blake here had him a heck of a Friday morning uh tried to take a relaxing friday morning off went fishing in a kayak in like a little private pond or something like that hung his spinnerbait up in a falling down tree went to go get it and a horde of wasps came out and he got he fell in the water you know all kinds of stuff so update on that week i ended up losing two more poles had a flat tire in my work truck went through three jacks changing my tire and in the process of breaking one of the aforementioned poles by dropping a floor floor jack on it on the bed of my truck now that is a week mm-hmm. lost two more poles had a flat tire went through three jacks changing the tire and in the process breaking one of the aforementioned poles by dropping a jack on it well okay also, as a personal update, I'm done with HVAC work after eight years of being in the industry. It's nowhere close to my passion. The best thing about it is I've gotten a couple really nice free stainless steel tables and learned about refrigeration so I could build my own deer cooler down the road. But that being said, I may have found my way into something that I could be very passionate about. Oh, oh so congratulations, Blake. Apparently, he went into wildland firefighting. So, okay, cool. Good for you, man. And thanks for sending us in on your story. Your story gives us comedic relief. I know it probably wasn't very fun for you, but it was very fun for us to talk about. Uh, second story, embarrassment submission this week. This comes from a man named Clinton Eubanks. This takes place in a state that Jordan has been very fond of the past two Novembers. This is in Kansas, September 2019. Okay. So We, we were there. We were there. 
So uh, Clinton writes in, my brother and I went on went on a hunt during the muzzleloader season, and my cousin went too just to kind of hang out. They were going to set up places to archery hunt during the rut, try to shoot some doves and or till. Um, he killed a nice buck midweek, uh, and then he and his cousin decided to go dove hunting the next day. I decided, side note, I decided specifically for this story to be mentioned because we are – you know, we're talking about being fired up for leaving for elk season, mm-hmm. but let us not look over dove season. Yeah. Dove season is one of my favorite weekends of the year, which we can get into later. But that is why I'm telling this story from old Clinton and his Kansas dove hunt. Um, so he and his cousin decided to go dove hunting the next day. A line of three doves flew near me and I fired. The last dove in the line folded neatly and thudded to the ground. My cousin shouted out, man, that was like a 60-yard shot and with a 20-gauge. Clinton said, laughing to him, yeah, but I was actually shooting at the first bird. Of course, if he hadn't already seen me miss a bunch of easy shots already, I never would have said that. <laughs> Good gracious. I mean, I mean, I know I've done that, something like that. Yeah. Well, one, I can relate to having a hard time hitting doves. And two, I can relate to when there's a line of them shooting and you kill one and someone's like, hey, man, good shot. And you're like, thanks. But you didn't, you weren't aiming at that one at all. Kevin Brown. <laughs> Kevin Brown. Yeah, he's he's the master of that. Yeah, he's also the master of not letting you know when a dove's coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing. It does not matter. We don't go a day without using Onyx Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you, and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. So I'll give you an update. You may know this already. Apparently he was hiding it from me. I talked to old Kevin. Um, shout out to our friend Kevin, I guess. He worked, buddy works at Southern Ag Credit. Uh, Kevin, I was all excited because I, I, I called you on Saturday. I was making rounds trying to find ammunition for Dove Weekend. Yeah. Because apparently, uh, well, Perry called me and was all stressed out because apparently Scott County, Mississippi, Dove Rounds are becoming very hard to find. They're hard to find anywhere. So Perry called me all worried to death. And I was, I was out and about running some errands. I said, well, shoot, I'll just run by Jimmy's store and see what he's got. And so I went in there. And that's when I found some 16-gauge stuff, so I called you. And I called Perry, and him stuff, and so I was thinking about our buddy Kevin, because he's always at that hunt. And I said, man, Ke-, so I called Kevin, and I'm like, hey, man, you know, tell him what I'm doing. He's like, hey, um, here's the thing. I'm not going to be there this year. Oh. Did you know this? Uh-uh. You didn't know this either. He, he, ain't told, he ain't told you. The only reason he told me is because I put him in a situation where he had to tell me. Dude is going to an Ole Miss football game mm. in Atlanta. Mm. Talking about priorities mixed up. Talking about priorities mixed up. Ain't even a good excuse, man. You can watch it on TV. Well, I mean, but like, if you want to miss a week in a deer hunting, you got a whole lot of time to deer hunt. I mean, if you want to, you get, can technically dove hunt a long time, but nobody does it. Can we not talk about if y'all? Here would be a poll worth taking. 
I found like that one time when I when I went and did that internship in Midwest Whitetail, so I moved up to Iowa. Yeah, I was up there during Dove Weekend, and I was expecting. I was like, man, surely I can find me a field to get on something, something, something. I figured out when I moved up there that dove hunting. It seemed like the farther north you go, dove hunting, dove hunting doesn't become becomes not as much of an event as it is down here. Yeah, it's the one last stronghold of the southern get-togethers. Yeah, you know everybody comes and socializes and mm-hmm. just cooks out and has a good time and nobody's stressed because you're dove hunting and nobody's like worried about trying to kill so many doves and the biggest dove and all that. Yeah. So. It's not like it takes a whole lot of skill to be successful dove hunting. Either. And it's, it's it's a whole event. Some people, some folks turn it into a whole weekend. Yeah, you know? I mean it's it's a big deal. There are some areas like in the state. If you if someone who didn't know wasn't from here, if they were to walk outside on that opening Saturday morning, they would think something was wrong because they just hear boom 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 boom. War zone. It's like, it reminds me of like in the Patriot when that when they're waking up like right at dusk <laughs> and they just hear the fire shots going. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's like a when I think about some like fond memories as a kid. And you'll know what I'm talking about too. You, you'll get in these these areas in the state where, when you start driving down an old country road during dove season, and every field you look at, there's people. Yeah, got it lined out. Because it's a whole thing, and most of those folks they gonna they have a dove hunt that morning, and then they have them a big lunch that that midday, and then they go back out that afternoon, and some of them have another field to shoot the next day. So dove dove season is one of my favorite weekends of the whole year. Yeah, and not, not to mention, I think it's probably one of the most underutilized game birds for eating, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like it is tasty. There's a lot of folks, and. I don't ever like I'll say it here on this podcast and hope that any of the folks that have done this for me don't listen to it and change their mind. But to your point, how many times have you been like, man, a guy having a mess of doves and be like, man, y'all want these? I don't really <laughs> yeah. care to eat them. And I, there's like the one side of me that in your point, be like, dude, have you ever tried them? Like you should do. But the other side of me is like, yeah, yeah, give me those doves. Yeah, ain't no good. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take care of them. I understand you, man. Let me get those doves for you. I will. Uh, I will take care of them. <laughs> But yeah, our uh, buddy Kevin, he's uh he's going AWOL. He's defecting. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And he actually like he heard the upsetness in my voice and he was like I've been stressing so much about knowing I was going to have to tell y'all this at some point. <laughs> because I missed last year because of a family mm. vacation and he was part of the group that was giving me heck about it. Yeah. It was, uh, well, I mean, I gave you heck about it, but I ain't skipping this year. For an Ole Miss football game, you had a, which, I mean, still. Mine was like nothing out of my control. I either had to make a decision to go hunting or be with my family. Tonight, yeah. And I, so, I mean, like, while I still gave you crap about it, I understand. Kevin, 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 I'm not talking to everyone else now. Now I'm just talking to you, Kevin. It's an Ole Miss football game. Take Ole Miss out of the equation. Like, I'm a Hell State fan. Do you think I'm going to miss Dove season to go see Mississippi State play? I am not. I can watch it on TV. Yeah. Anyhow. There's like 15 other more games to go to. Yeah, I mean, that's part of like our kind of our tradition with that hunt is we hunt that morning and we come in and we watch football, eat some food, and then fall asleep. Yeah. And then we wake up and we're like, oh. Let's go back. Yeah. 
it's kind of the day. Uh, okay, on to the – so we did have a few questions that I think we should cover in this um, today's podcast episode. I feel like we covered some of this before, but again, if folks are asking it, we'll answer it. So – and it has it's it's apt with what we've got going on right now with working at kudzu and everything question reads hey lake had a question maybe y'all could bring answer on the podcast since since it's right here at crunch time to start on the whole food plots what is y'all's process when you start bush hogging what chemicals do you spray on the plot if any uh do you um if you burn the plot before you break the ground and what takeout blend are you going to plant thanks in advance and good luck to y'all this season okay process start out spraying we did that last two weeks still got some more spray but we did a good bit around the camp yeah uh spraying glyphosate and with a surfactant in it and what a surfactant does as far as a little bit of chemical knowledge i know like don't quote me on this yeah but what i understand of a surfactant is like an oil-based deal and it makes it stick to the plant better yeah and uh that's what i've been told yeah or well, glyphosate is I mean, Roundup, yeah. like Roundup brand is glyphosate chemical. That's what I had to, a lot of folks, when you hear glyphosate, or, or me, I was in the same boat. But when you say glyphosate, that's basically a Roundup product. It yeah. could be other things, it's, but I mean, Roundup's got, a good example. You go to Lowe's, you see weed killer up there, more than likely, that's a glyphosate product. Yeah. And it'll say it on the bottle yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But uh, start out spraying, uh, let it sit a week, 10 days come over top of it bush hog then we'll go to disking disk it thoroughly uh, then come back over top of it and put out our bigger seed which is like a cereal grain type deal which is in the takeout it is the fall mix yeah and uh it's got like oats wheat several other uh, clovers and brassicas and that all mixed into it but the majority of it's wheat and oats and uh cover that up with a drag or do all and then we'll come back over top with the brassica blend and clover yeah and uh this year we're probably going heavier clover because we're more focused on turkeys now up there you know kind of at cottonmouth we were just focused on deer and now it's kind of both you're trying to have something for next spring to turkey hunt over too and uh but anyway like once we put out those small seeds after we covered the big seed hopefully it'll rain on it i'm not a huge fan of covering up the brassicas and clover because they're such a small yeah. seed and they only need like one fourth planting depth yeah so uh if you get a decent rain on them it's going to get it right where it needs to be that's talking about things that we've repeated a hundred times but people still keep asking talking about i mean we've said this a few weeks ago talking about brassica things because someone asked mm-hmm. like i still i don't know how many times but I'll keep saying it because people keep asking about it. The plant brassicas and the worry, you know, the wonder why didn't they come up like they're supposed to, so such and so forth. They're planting them like they're planting everything else, and then they're dragging it. Mm-hmm. Your other stuff come up, and you're like, "Where's my brassicas? You planted them too deep. You covered them up too much. They're yeah. very, very, very small seeds." That's most of the time the, the situation, and you got to really watch what you're doing with those too, because you can plant them too thick if you don't watch it. Like uh, if you plant your brassicas too thick. They're going to be competing against each other, so they're not going to get in. They're not going to mature as good. Yeah, that's basically what we did last year. Yeah. Or what I did, I was running. Our process typically is like Jordan or Brad or whoever will have the tractor with the big 
see Dolly on it, and then I'll come behind them with the Ranger, and we get that little Femco seed spreader, mm-hmm. and I'll broadcast over the top of it. And I was hitting that stuff last year like we were typically hitting a cottonmouth food plot. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nebraska's came up. You could just kind of like what you were saying. They were very much competing with one another. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't mature out well, and that's just because they're – I mean, it's the same process if far as putting it in, like, everyday perspective is uh, – take a take a room an exhibit hall or something mm-hmm. uh, you fill it up with people shoulder to shoulder you can't even stretch in there yeah so that's kind of what i'm talking about with brassicas if you do it too thick they can't stretch their roots out and they're going to have a tough time maturing yeah does that make sense it does make sense okay i mean i, th- I think so i mean yeah if you just over competition, over competition for the same food yeah. source. And it makes it, I mean, you got that river soil. There's a lot, you got more lot to pull from, so you can plant, you can plant more. Yeah, and, you know, fertilize is a, a huge thing, too, for us having good food plots that will sustain you through the winter. Uh, I'm a huge fan of heavy fertilize. It costs you more on the front end, but you'll end up having better quality plots that last longer and take more browse pressure if they've got the nutrients to grow yeah and uh it, it definitely costs you more to do but i'm i'm a huge fertilized guy like more investments you put in that the bigger return you're gonna have on your seed you spent money yeah. on the fertilizer thing to me it's like um like yeah it costs more money but it's like you've already spent x amount of dollars yeah you want to do it right or not Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, do you want? I mean, do you want to get get that far and invest that much just to go halfway in on it and not see its full potential? Yeah, I mean, even like as a kid, I remember us planting our food plots, and they'd be like putting two hundred pounds an acre of wheat on these suckers, and no <laughs> fertilizer. <laughs> and I didn't realize what was going on then, but now looking back on it, I was like, that those plants didn't have any any gas to run the motor off mm-hmm. of. You got to give them everything they need to flourish. Yeah, no doubt. It's an it's an art to having decent food plots. We've been through a whole bunch of trial and error on it. You know, I mean, yeah. we've, we've been doing it professionally now. I mean, quotation mark, not really professionally, but doing it a lot uh, for six, seven years now. Yeah, you know, so it's taken a, a while to really figure out exactly what you need to do per yeah. per area you plant. Yeah, and obviously the thing we found out last year is it does very much vary on your location, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Second question, and we're taking a subject change, but I'm all about answering questions. Y'all keep sending them in. This guy talked about, I guess, I mean, again, it makes sense because things you've seen us talk about is one, getting ready at kudzu, and then we talked about some some archery stuff. Um, This guy wrote in, he said, I hear y'all reference spine of your arrow. Probably because, you know, we were talking about yeah, we're switching about 300 spine and 250 spine he said how how do you determine whether something is overspined or underspined and uh what else did he write how do you how do you determine whether something is overspined or underspined and how do you how did you select your broadhead like how do you go about picking your broadhead mm-hmm. well We'll this go. Let's a, do. We'll we can, spine one first. Yeah, we can talk about your setup last year. Yeah. Well, and just my, that's a good example. But spine something—that's something that feels commonly overlooked. I used to overlook it. Shoot. I don't think you can overspine an arrow, in my opinion. I know it's better to be overspine than underspine. Yeah, and when I'm saying overspine, I mean it's stiffer. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, it's a balance there. You want speed. You don't want to give up. A lot of people don't want to give up their speed for the yeah. stiffness of the air because when they uh, a stiffer spined air is going to be way more because it's more material in the internals of the walls. Yeah, it's stiffer. Yeah, but uh, with your setup last year, we uh, were tuning bows. Uh, it was a V three. Yeah, and uh, the setup you were shooting the year before was a VXR, and you were shooting three hundred spines good out of it, like you're paper tuning really well. Yeah. And uh, you just automatically assume, well, it's going to work for this new setup because it's not like you've changed anything as far as draw or weight or anything like that, draw weight. But uh, when we were tuning it, we could not ever get that sucker to shoot a bullet hole. Yeah. Well, I got, I, well, we fooled around with it for an hour or two trying to figure something out like like, if the fletchings were hitting a string or something. We tried everything but because I, I honestly, I'd been shooting that draw length, that type of arrow that spine for so long yeah you know i didn't think that it would make that much of a difference but it but it did yeah. from one bow to the from one bow to the next and uh finally i went and got my setup me and you shoot the same draw so we got pretty much the same length and arrow but i've always yeah. been a kind of bulkier arrow guy just i like yeah. it the stiffer it is the better i like it because i'm getting penetration and uh went and got one of my arrows and shot it through bullet hole first shot yeah so what was happening there was that whatever was going on with the bow when you'd shoot it it was flexing that arrow more so than your other rig yeah. was and uh the reason you want to i may not be right so everything on this podcast y'all take the grain of salt it's just from my thinking and lake's thinking and yeah. whoever else on here but uh uh that arrow when you'd shoot it would go to flexing like back and forth mm-hmm. because it could not take the amount of force that was pushing it yeah and uh when you started shooting a stiffer spine air it doesn't flex as much so more apt to have the most force behind that arrow yeah that's the purpose of to paper tuning the bow you want that arrow shooting straight center of your bow yeah like that you, way you get the best functionality out of it yes you want the maximum amount of force pushing that arrow so to your point in talk, talking about this um basically like i said jordan and i neither of us are archery experts but i think we know enough that we can put it in more common terms yeah so when you think about spine think about a spine and a human that's your backbone so the more backbone you give it the stick the stiffer that arrow is going to be mm-hmm. so um meat eater podcast they had on dr ashby a few weeks ago and he was saying something along the lines of, obviously, I'm not going to be able to articulate this as well as he did, but he was saying bows, something along the lines of bows that had higher draw weights. So basic, you know, they're slinging more velocity. Mm-hmm. You take a bow, like take a bow with like a 70 pound draw weight versus a 60 pound draw weight and you give them both a 400 spine arrow they were getting more pass-throughs with the 60-pound bow because the 60-pound bow can handle that spine. The spine can handle that 60-pound bow a lot better, mm-hmm. so it's getting more penetration. It's 100% force pushing yeah. that arrow rather now than you, flexing it. Your 70-pound bow may be throwing that arrow faster, but it doesn't have it's, – it's causing that arrow to flex so much when you shoot it that it's not penetrating as well yeah and it takes a whole lot of the kinetic energy away from that arrow as it's trying to straighten itself out and uh 
that's like well, I was uh, tuning mine the other day, and the same arrows I shot, you know, for the last couple of years are not shooting just perfect for as paper tuning. So, but what I did realize is uh, my arrows are a little too long now. Yeah. So I'm going to have to cut about two inches off, and I think that'll fix it. Yeah. And uh, that's the same thing, like talking about different spines and stuff. Like, as you make that arrow shorter, the stiffer it gets. Mm hmm. So I mean that's that's why like it's a, it's a lot that goes into actually like fine tuning a bow like far as paper tuning it so you got the maximum amount of force pushing that arrow, and uh, I think if I cut off that two inches of arrow it's gonna stiffen that that spine up enough where I'm going paper tune good. Gotcha, gotcha, makes sense. And but also on mine I've got 150 grains of weight on the front of them, so mm. that may have a little something to do with it. it may have to take a little bit out. Yeah. Or add a little bit to it. We'll just I'm gotta play with it and see. How much your arrow weigh right now, do you know? Uh somewhere between five fifty and six hundred grains. Dang it, man. Yeah. I don't know. But I like that. I like Yeah. If I can get it paper time, I may have to take some of that away because what yeah. you're talking about, you know, what what they were talking about as far as pass throughs and all that. Yeah. If my air is super heavy but it's coming out of the bow wobbly, I'm not gonna get the penetration I want. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that's spine again. Like I've, I've been in that 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 class of thinking before, where you go, I ain't got to worry about that crap. You know, that's too much. I'm I'm telling you, like it, it's worth paying attention to to seeing if your stuff's set up right with spine and everything. Yeah. Um, I think and that's all. Talking the, about broadheads. Oh yeah, broadheads. I almost forgot. Uh, yep. So it's been so hard. I like I've been thinking about switching to the whole fixed blade movement like being yeah. able to blow through bone and all that but like it's so hard for me to leave what's been working yeah. for so long for so many of us and uh for elk what shoot we mostly shoot this for everything is a, a rage plus p hypodermic plus p i think i may have called it something else now but it's a it's an inch and a half cut well they've head. got they've got a new one they've got like a collarless model yeah out now but i'm kind of in the same look again if i have not shot the collarless one for me, it's kind of the same thing you said. Like that hypodermic plus P with that carbon collar has worked so well for me. Why would I change? Yeah, I that's, mean. That's where I'm at right now. But Rage gets a lot of, I guess, backlash from like you're losing penetration, this, that, and the other. Bull. But all I can say is this from our experience. I mean, just in the last, since we've been working here, I don't know. I've seen over 30 elk get shot with a Rage. And I don't know how many deer. Yeah, and the majority of them have fell within 150 yards on yeah. elk, and I mean, and both the deer I've shot in Kansas the last two years, I mean they're 250 pound deer, and the one I shot last year, I mean blew through him and broke his offside shoulder. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I, it's hard. I, to, every deer I've shot with them has blown completely through. Uh, the only time I shot an elk with a rage that it didn't pass through is he was slightly quartering away yeah and it buried in the offside shoulder which i don't care if you've got a thousand grade broadhead you ain't going through an elk shoulder well so <laughs> and last year you know my elk i did not have a pass through with it but he was like three yards yeah 
and uh, the what I have read on bows and stuff, they don't really gain the energy at that close, you yeah. know. So it's hard to have. A, you think it at three yards, you just blow right through him, but the momentum hadn't built behind that air, the force. Yeah, need about like 30 yards or something, ain't it? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's when they are maximum like kinetic yeah. behind it's when it starts building momentum. Yeah, I, I remember. Kind of like, you think about it like a freight train. It takes a freight train a while to build up momentum. Yeah, and you shot that elk right when the train was leaving the station. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and which, I mean, it poked through the other side and backed out. Yeah, it know? didn't like it wasn't like you got bad penetration. No, it I just mean, didn't blow through. 18 it. inches or so, it yeah. hit, hit the offside, one of them big rip bones. Which and, is plenty. popped back out. Plenty. I mean, it went all the way through what you want to go through. Yeah. And he went 70 yards and died. Oh. Um, I mean. Was it like the time... Whenever someone asks me about, like, my opinion on rage and losing penetration, this, that, and the other, the first bull elk I ever shot, he was 25-ish yards, yeah. somewhere in 25 and 30. It blew through him, his lungs, um, and the arrow was stuck in the ground on the other side, probably about eight inches in the ground. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much better penetration you want. And <laughs> a lot of the issue that I see with people not having good penetration, which, look, a cut-on contact head is going to have better penetration. Mm -hmm. It just is. Like, it, it just is facts. Yeah, I'm not arguing but that. I'm just, I've never had an issue. Yeah, you know and uh, one thing I do see people making mistakes on is when they're, they're shooting mechanicals is they're shooting a light-spined arrow. Yeah. So that's bad on both ends. Like you're you are taking force away opening up a mechanical head no matter what you're shooting. Like it takes energy to open that thing up going into an animal. Yeah. And uh if you're not shooting a heavy enough arrow, it's just gonna like it's gonna bounce off. Suck all of it out of there. Yeah. And you gotta have some you gotta have some weight behind that head to make it go through. Yeah. And that's just I mean, that's what we shoot. Everybody you see a lot of people now shooting heavy setups and in my opinion if you've got the engine behind it, it really doesn't matter what head you're shooting, as long as you're confident in it. Yeah. Well, I, I've been I've been shooting Rage for I don't know seven eight years now. Yeah. And I've just never had an issue with like a well I need to tune my broadheads. It shoots so much different than my field tips. I've never had any of that. I mean, um, think about like a, a sports car. It's things like that's your broadhead, okay? Mm -hmm. Like this hundred thousand dollar car but if it ain't got the motor in it to make it go it ain't doing you no good yeah same way with airs like mm -hmm. if you've got the best broadhead on the market and you ain't got the air to support it it ain't gonna work good yeah yeah that's my our take on broadheads so to speak so yeah i guess um fella that sent that in a lot of that would depend on your arrow setup and what you got yeah yeah, just make whatever you set up just make sure it's all working as one and i mean like if you've got um, if you've got access to a good bow tech yeah that would be the person to ask like it, you know, it takes time to really truly figure out get what a works for you. Yeah. yeah like it takes i mean what's it take us to i mean at least three hours from start to finish most of the time well but think about it it doesn't even Three hours is still a good chunk taken off because even when we're setting everything up every year when we get a different bow or whatever, we there's a lot of that stuff we already know. We might have to tweak a little bit, yeah. but we already know a lot of where, you know, we know our end goal. We know what we're trying what we're trying to get to. If yeah. you're 
starting from scratch or you've never paid attention to your spine or never paid attention to why you picked this broadhead, yeah, it can take some time. But again, it's like, do you want to take that time now or do you want to find yourself in the fall shaking your head because you shot a deer and it didn't, the arrow didn't do what you wanted it to do yeah, because your setup wasn't right riffing off you know what i was talking about with the car and all that being a broadhead and whatever but i mean just like a rifle you can buy a three thousand dollar rifle and if you don't have good ammunition and good optics on it that thing ain't doing you no good yeah yeah yep 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 i just i probably with like uh the biggest the biggest one that you see it's always speed related guys want to get that that arrow going as fast as they possibly can yeah but yeah that would be my advice to take if you want to take it a step further is find a good reputable bow tech and and let him and kind of tell him what you're trying to accomplish and hopefully you know he'll let you sit there and watch him and explain what he's doing too yeah you know that's yep. that's what that's how i learned because I've, I've been like so intrigued with archery equipment pretty much my mm. whole life you know i just love yeah. it and uh, that's the only way I know what the little bit I know now is just by asking questions. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing that? Uh, How does this work? Also, I just thought, like, if y'all are wanting to take a deeper dive into this kind of stuff, uh, I remember it's been a while since I've looked at it, but Levi's uh, YouTube channel used to be excellent at answering those kind of questions. I've used Levi's stuff a lot learning. Um, and you've got I, you prob, everyone probably knows who we're talking about. If you don't, we're talking about Levi Morgan. And you did a podcast with T Bone, yeah, a couple of years ago. You can scroll through the episodes and find that one. That goes in depth talking about this stuff too. And he's talking about Doctor Ashby and kinetic energy and all that stuff. But yeah, um, kind of return making the thing boomerang back around. We were talking about YouTube earlier. Go to Levi Morgan's YouTube page. I think yeah. it's still Bow Life. Yep, pretty sure. Yep. Um, but Levi has some excellent YouTube videos. And if y'all don't know who Levi Morgan is, he's like the Michael Jordan of archery, you know. So um, check him out. Um, wrapping up. Whoa, aha. Mm, before we wrap up here. Aha moment. Uh, an aha moment, if you will. <laughs> A real aha moment. <laughs> uh, today being August the 23rd, we still, I don't not too many dates to give up yet but in about a week's time so to speak a week two weeks something like that um you're going to hear likely on this podcast and other resources um a lot of y'all are probably familiar with the zoo um yeah how long we've been hunting the zoo now three years this will be the fourth season yeah Um, kind of the deal behind it see carter muscagney with habco he's a land manager yeah and a forester and he dudes ate up with wildlife like making habitat better and uh, he wanted me and you to come out there and kind of give our two cents on how to set it up to hunt mm-hmm. and uh, that's been a really fun project it's been crazy to see the transition from just an ordinary farm to a sure enough really good deer yeah. hunting farm and turkeys too but we got a new project and it will the thing with the zoo is like it is one of those things that turned into something i never really expected it to turn into yeah like there's folks all the time i know youtube asking about the zoo what's at the zoo Are y'all hunting the zoo again this year and i just didn't expect the zoo to catch quite like it did yeah i mean i knew it was a special place but it's kind of so 
Yeah, we have a uh, a new project on the horizon. Yeah, Carter uh, and I went up there and looked it over yesterday. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun deal, and uh, we're going to be talking about it a little bit next week. Very, very different than, the, than uh, well, yeah, different than the zoo for sure. That's more duck-related. Yeah, but um, very, very eager <laughs> about this one. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, a really fun project see where this one goes so and the name of that place is we don't know yet it's gonna name itself yeah it's gonna name itself every place we've ever had is named itself Mm -hmm. like some people may think we sit down and just try to name a place and kind of cater everything to that no take what's there and kind of riff off of it and it kind of names itself i mean like the zoo first time we ever went out there and like october one year i mean it kind of already had the expectations of being a zoo yeah and like it that's where it got its name from first time like we ever went out there it's just like oh my god first time i sat out there i saw like 40 deer yeah and seven of them were mature shooter bucks yeah it was impressive very impressive um so yeah be on the lookout for that other podcasts look forward to um we've actually had a lot of folks because we don't get to do a lot of waterfowl centralized podcast mm-hmm. so uh ramsey russell will be coming on here uh very shortly that'll be if y'all don't know who ramsey russell is he is kind of the 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 founder and he's like the the main face and force behind get ducks and that dude that dude takes duck hunting to a different level. <laughs> like the reason why he hasn't come on the show earlier than he is is because he has been duck hunting in the continent of Africa. <laughs> I'm kid you not. He's been in, like he's flying back now. Okay. The dude duck hunts all over the world. He's quite an interesting uh, individual to talk to. So that one's going to be a good one. The podcast about the introduction of this said new project will be a good one, as well as the the folks we're going to have on there to talk about it with us. And it's getting exciting times. Like I said, we've only got a little over two weeks before we kick off elk season. Yep. Um, ah, another small aha moment. Before we go, be on the lookout because today is Monday, August 23rd. Something you're going to see launched on Primo's social media is the Game of Racks funny name funny competition but you can win some serious prizes yep and i'm not going to riff on anymore about what the game of racks is i just would encourage all of you if it's not 10 a.m yet it should be probably close to 10 a.m when this podcast goes live but check out the primos facebook or instagram and look for the video discussing the game of racks and the prizes and how you can win and that's going to be it. Jordan and I have to get up to Kudzu because word on the street is Brad Ferris is actually going to make an appearance today. I talked to him at 6.30 this morning. He said he was going to be on the way by 8. So I figured it would at least be about 10 or so. So I was going to say it's noon. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so that's going to do it for this week. As always, guys, thank you for sending in questions. Don't, don't quit sending them in. You can send them in to the um, – Email primoshuntingpodcast at gmail.com. That's also where you can send in uh, submission embarrassment stories. You can also send those in to the Primo's Instagram page, my Instagram page, Jordan's Instagram page. Either way, we'll get the questions answered or get your story on the show. Thank you all for listening, as always, to the Speak the Language podcast.